This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to the Ops Authority Podcast. Today, we're talking all about personality assessments. And oh my gosh, those are so much fun to do. But we're going to talk about the use case for those in your business, especially as you're growing your business and simply just navigating in your career. So if you've been listening to the last couple of episodes, we've talked about various types and parts of the brain. We talk about three different parts. The last episode, we talked about the conative portion of our brain, which is the part that is the doing part of our brain. Today, we're going to look at the affective part and how that plays into our business and our teams. So let's review. The affective part of your brain is the feeling center. This is shown in your personality traits, the characteristics, your preferences, like what you like, actually also what you don't like, and your values. Just by naming those off, you can see why knowing this about yourself, your clients, your team would be so valuable. Ultimately, we want high-performing teams, right? Like that's exactly what we want. And anyone who comes to us asking for our hiring help, that's what they want too. Nobody ever comes to me saying, hey, we want a team that would be like halfway invested, that would be, you know, maybe they show up sometimes. Like no one ever comes to us for that. They want someone who is all in. And before they start to dictate what they want, we are always sure to ask them. So when we partner with folks to help them hire and expand their teams, we do this massive intake. And this massive intake includes getting to know them and what their needs are. So we are completely against having somebody come to us and say, we want this role and this is exactly what we're gonna do. Instead, we are strategic and we help them to understand what it is that they do. What we're talking about today is going to be very important because this is part of our intake. So regardless if you're building somebody else's team or your own team, knowing some of the affective traits that would be helpful in that role are really, really helpful. Here's another little tip really quick. Before you declare who you want to work with, make sure you're aware of your own self. These affective tests or the assessments are extremely beneficial, but make sure you're aware of your own results before you start dreaming and demanding a certain criteria. We've definitely seen that happen where somebody will come to us and say, we want someone who fits this mold and they'll rattle off letters or numbers and whatnot. We're going to talk about those here in a second. But it's important, well, actually more important for us to make sure that the person who is expanding their team has a full understanding of who they are as a person. So instead of just giving us the letters and numbers that they want, we make sure that they have done the same thing for themselves. All right, I want to start by acknowledging the fact that personality tests are really, really fun. They're widely taken. Trust me, I think I've taken every single one out there, whether it's paid or not. They're so informative and just 
all around cool. So these are much more widely used and known than the other parts of the brain and those tests that go along with that. So I know if you're listening to this, you most likely have taken some of these affective tests, but there's a lot to know before using them, much less just getting into a place where you rely on them. First thing is all of these tests are objective. The results are as good as the information they receive. Much like a quiz, you're going to put in some information and it's going to spit out a result. That's what these are doing. So be aware that the results are how the person sees themselves rather than how the world sees them. So there's already going to be some bias in the result because of that. For example, if someone sees themselves as, we'll just use extroverted, or they want to be perceived as extroverted, they may be biased in the way that they're answering those questions, which would then give that biased result. So the reliability of these tests isn't always super, super strong. So just know that. The second thing I want to caution you about is your personality changes. This is the feeling center of the brain that is ultimately being tested here. It is not static. It is dynamic. It's going to change over time. Think about it. Who you were at 20 is probably not who you are at 30, 40, or 50. I know for me, there are many parts of me that are consistent, but much of my personality because of life's experiences and age, wisdom, just life in general has changed some pieces of my personality. Knowing that these are going to change, if you're looking for the test and you want to know what the results are, make sure that the test results are current so you're getting accurate responses. By default, I just threw out the four-letter Myers-Briggs result I got when I was in corporate at 26 years old. There are parts of it, and some of the letters are the same 20 years later, but also there are two specific parts and results that are different 20 years later. So just a reminder that you're going to change, which is a great reason to make sure that you consistently keep up with the results of these assessments that we're going to talk about today. We're going to dive into three different assessments, affective assessments here in a second. But before we go in there, I want to talk about the practical application of these. If you're growing your team and you're in the hiring phase, you can ask for the results of any affective quiz. But here's the thing, and I want you to hear this. You cannot disqualify somebody for a particular personality result. So you can ask for them. There's nothing that says you can't ask for them. You don't want to disqualify somebody just for this. So you may be asking yourself, how do I use them if I'm not going to be disqualifying someone? So use this information for what it's worth. Information gathering, they help you to tell the greater, bigger story of the person or the applicant that's coming in. You wouldn't want to have the result disqualify someone from a role altogether, but you could leverage that information in the interview portion of the process. This is what we do here at the Hiring Authority. We specifically ask questions on values. Remember, values come from the affective part of your brain, which is what these tests that we're talking about today, that's what they look at. So we would tailor an interview question around a particular result. Maybe that is one of the strengths in their strength finders. Maybe that is extroverted or the thinking part of their Myers-Briggs. And maybe it's the number from their Enneagram. We use these as tools to get a much more vivid picture 
of the applicant that's coming in. Remember, when you're growing your team, you're looking, most of us are coming in looking for skills. Like, can they perform a technical function? Are they strategic in a marketing field? That's usually the first thing that we're looking for. And then we dive a little bit deeper into the values. Here at the Hiring Authority, we actually flip that. But both of them are very important, both the experience and the acumen that they bring or the skill set. And then also we have the type of person that they are. We want to know about their character. Our businesses are so small and mighty. I always say we have to like the people that we are surrounded by, but we have to be careful not to have them be carbon copies of ourselves. Alrighty, back on track. So these results are really, really helpful when we're looking at strengths and weaknesses or opportunities for your team. Oftentimes when we know the results, that allows a manager to customize a growth and development plan inside of the business or inside of the role. And also don't forget that knowing these results can help you delegate appropriate projects or specific task. If you know someone is motivated by a particular thing and the project that you've got on cue tracks to that, then why would you not give it to them? An example we can talk about is if you need someone on your team to help you with pitching podcasts and the method that you want to use requires video outreach, then you may want to select someone on your team with more people. I'm just going to say like, quote, people in them. This would also be someone who is more extroverted. Whereas if you want someone to build a sales page, that same desire isn't near as important. So let's go over the three affective or personality tests that we have used here inside of our business. Two of the three of these I actually used in corporate as well. So these have big, big impacts in all different sizes of businesses, but I wanted to pull on the three that we actively are using as we grow our business and other people's businesses. The first one is what I learned it as is Strength Finders. It's now called Clifton Strengths, and this assessment helps participants focus on developing their strengths rather than their weaknesses. And the way that Gallup, who owns Clifton Strengths, the way that they put it is, quote, what's right with you, which is so refreshing. Like we're always picking ourselves apart about how we have so many opportunities, how we want to get better, how, what we're deficient in. And the results of the Clifton Strengths assessment tells you what's right with you, what is working, where you need to focus, because this is based on positive psychology. So that science is telling us if we focus our efforts and we perform tasks and responsibilities and own roles that leverage our strengths, we are going to find a lot more positivity and success in those. So once you know your strengths, you can develop and create actionable plans and relationships to build upon your talents. And through this, you're going to get a glimpse into what you may need from other people to accomplish. So they don't call out specifically your weaknesses, but if it is not recognized as as one of your strengths, then you're going to want to leverage somebody else to help you get that thing done. It's impossible to be strong in everything. And as amazing as, as we are, we have to realize that we have strengths and we also have areas of opportunity. And so 
It takes about one hour to get this done. It's taken online and the result of this paid test is going to give you a rating or a ranking of the 34 themes that Gallup has put extensive work into. So each of these different themes, the 34 themes, fall under a domain and inside of this assessment, there are four different domains, strategic, relationship building, influencing, and executing. I know we have used this a lot and I'm always so interested. I mean, my fact finder, talk about that conative part of my brain, but that fact finder goes crazy when I learn about all of these things. And so when I was looking into this and just comparing my own results, some of the gals in my mastermind, we were looking at the domains in which we fall into. It is really eye-opening. So again, those domains are strategic, relationship building, influencing, and executing. My two strongest domains were relationship building and influencing. And when I saw influencing, I was like, what in the world is this? Because I would naturally think of influencing as like sales and marketing, but I won't go too, too deep here. But when you really uncover those 34 different themes, it's really interesting to see how they put them underneath these domains and you learn so much about them. Now, you'll notice that I didn't say that I had a strength in the strategic domain. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not strategic. And I'm not going to lie. When I first saw that, I was like, I teach strategic mapping. Like I've got a license for strategic mapping. How can it not say that I am strategic? Well, all of us, and I'm going to keep iterating and reiterating this to you, we all have a little bit of all of these in us, right? It would be very uncommon for the 34 themes for you to not have any inside of that strategic domain. So just be aware that you're going to be spread out over those four, but it is important for you to be aware of the areas that come most natural to you. I would have to say that because I don't have the natural tendencies for strategy, I have had to work really hard in my corporate and in this career to build processes so that I could develop the strategic plan and be able to hear the vision from our leaders. So I believe that I used my other skills to help me create a process around that. So that's how I fill the gap and leverage others and other skills to help me with that strategic part. So I use Clifton Strengths or Strength Finders as I learned it most often once I've hired somebody rather than in the hiring process. This really helps me to see where I can play on their strengths for delegating project ownership, like I mentioned before. It's an amazing test. They have a book called Strength Finders 2.0. Gallup puts out lots and lots of books, but Strength Finders 2.0 was a very helpful tool for getting to understand and know and learn a lot more about what that assessment is for. The second one we're going to talk about today is the Enneagram. And I don't know where I was, but the Enneagram was never on my radar before about three to four years ago. The Enneagram is a system of personality typing that describes patterns in how people interpret the world and manage their emotions. So I just said the word emotions. Remember, these tests are looking at the affective, the feeling part of your brain. That is why the Enneagram is lumped into an affective test. 
So the Enneagram is looking for your core belief, and this drives your deeper motivations as well as your fears. And fundamentally, it's going to shape a person's worldview and the perspective in which they see the world and the people around them. When I say that, do you see how that could be so helpful inside of your business or inside of your team? If you put this in other words, it identifies your basic personality types. There are nine different types that the Enneagram uses. And while there's a primary, we likely see at least a tiny bit of ourselves in every single one. If you understand a person's Enneagram type, it's going to help you to see why they behave the way that they do, what motivates them, how they make decisions. It's also helpful in understanding how people react to stress. This test shows opportunities for personal development and provides a foundation for the understanding of others. Wow, think about that. If you can get a glimpse into how somebody thinks, what motivates them, how they make decisions, oh, and stress, whoo, I hope that that helps you to understand why this is such a powerful tool. Because of all of this, it's a very useful tool in business relationships as well as in team development. I will say that this is the most difficult tool we will be talking about today. There are short form quizzes that are going to give you a result, but their intention is to give you that result and then for you to go to work. Personally, I took that shortcut, the quiz, and that resulted in me misclassifying myself. I remember it came back and it told me I was an eight, I was a one, and then I was a two. And so I think they give you percentages. And I said, oh, well, number eight had the highest percentage. I must be an eight. And then I read all the, I went to Instagram. I went, of course, because that's the most reliable source, right? But I started looking at all these memes. I would kind of research what an eight was on Google. And I would say, yeah, yeah, that feels like me. Sure. I just completely turned a blind eye to the other results that they gave me, which was a one and a two. And in talking with some people who are really knowledgeable about the Enneagram, they started to question if I was an eight. And so it got me curious. One of my key words is curiosity. So when my curiosity was fully peaked, I went and went to the Enneagram Bible, for me at least, which was The Road Back to You. It's a book, and it was really, really helpful in helping me to understand what all nine types look like. And this is what the Enneagram should be used for. Use those quizzes to kind of pique your interest, but then you've got to go to work. Long story short, don't take the quiz result as an actual answer. You need to still dig deeper because once I went through all of this learning, what I found out was I was not an eight. I was actually a two. And a two can sometimes, depending on mood, they can actually be misclassified quite often. So don't make the same mistake I did. It's really important for you to take the time to understand what you are before you start really connecting to that. The reason I love the Enneagram result is that this allows me to know the heart of my employees. And that is really important to me. Now, I just got through telling you that I was a two and a two is a feeler. A two is, there's a lot of impasse that are two. It's a very emotional number. And so obviously the way that my employees feel is very, very important to me. So knowing their heart, knowing who they are is something that I have found a lot of use for the Enneagram for within my team. 
All right. The third assessment we're going to be looking at from the affective portion of our brain is the most popular, and it's the Myers-Briggs. If you've heard of 16 personalities, 16 personalities uses the MBTI index to leverage. So I would say for practical purposes here on this podcast, the Myers-Briggs or 16 personalities are both going to give you that result. So this is designed to identify a person's personality type, their strengths, and their preferences. People are identified as having one of 16 different personality types, and the goal is to allow the respondents to further explore and understand their own personalities including their likes, their dislikes, their strengths, weaknesses, possible career preferences, and compatibility with other people. So you can see from that last statement how effective and well-used this can be inside of the work environment. They have four different scales inside of the Myers-Briggs, and here they are. Introversion and extroversion, sensing and intuition, thinking and feeling, judging and perceiving. So when we talk about, there's four different letters that come out as a result, and I am an ESFJ. That means I'm an extrovert, I sense, I feel, and I judge. Really, really helpful for me. And actually, as I overlay that personality type on top of the business that I'm building today, it is so aligned. And I know that because these are aligned, it has kept me very focused, excited, engaged, and ultimately led to me being able to be successful in a short amount of time. I think a lot of us, and I certainly know in corporate, I knew my my Myers-Briggs result, but I wasn't necessarily looking at my career choices and layering that on top of that, much less the type of people that I was working with. And when you put all of that together, you're going to find yourself in a place of greater ease. And that's what I want for everybody here. Like I said, the Myers-Briggs or 16 personalities is the most common tool. However, studies have shown that over 40% of respondents have different results the second time they take it. This is another reason to ensure that your results are current. So if you're going to ask this from your team or put it in a job application, you might want to remind the applicants or your team members to just do it again. Just go out there. It's a really quick assessment. It doesn't take a long time. It's also free, 16personalities.com, and just get an updated result. I have personally found the Myers-Briggs, which again, the most popular tool that we're talking about today, I have found it so misunderstood. People associate a person or themselves with a particular type. And it's important to know that this is an affective result. So it's looking at personality, not the way someone performs their job. On the other hand, it can be helpful when you're on the hiring side because many roles have preferred qualities And they can be uncovered by a tool like the Myers-Briggs. For example, if you're looking for an analytical whiz for your team, maybe to do SEO, maybe to look at data and metrics, then you're probably going to be looking for a T in those four different letters, which is a thinker. That's just one example that I wanted to share with you guys. 
There are loads and loads and loads of other assessments that fall under this affective category. They're popping up left and right. Some of them are not scientific. Actually, a lot of the psychologists will tell you that any of these affective tools are not to be used and they're discouraged from using them. But I have found a lot of use, which is why I wanted to share them with you today. The three that we've talked about today are the ones that we most often use, but we know that there are many more. And with each of them, there are experts within them so that you can continue to learn. I know you've got that fact finder. As as one of my students said, we're flying the fact finder flag. And this is an area where I know I've personally gone really, really deep. One of my pet peeves about leveraging these types of assessments is that someone will come to me and say, I don't want this particular type, whether that's a letter, a number, an adjective. I warn you not to look for yourself. That's another thing that people do. I told you guys I was a two in the Enneagram. I was an ESFJ. Now, I want to make sure that you know you don't want to bring in a bunch of the same types of people. I don't need more ESFJs in my business. If you grow or build a team that's exactly like you, you're going to slow yourself down. I know if I had a bunch of high fact finders on this team, my goodness, we would not get things done. Now we may get, we would be very well researched, (laughs) but we wouldn't move as quickly as we need to. The other thing is you will run up against some of the things that bother you most about yourself. So you don't want to do that because then you're going to get frustrated at the other person. If you're looking to duplicate yourself, that's the exception. So when I was looking to bring in Alex or our operations coordinator, I knew I was delegating a lot of those director of operations tasks and responsibilities to this individual. So I was looking at skill set, I was looking at values, and then after I had already selected the top six applicants for me, then I started looking at their particular results. From those results, we had specific interview questions where I just got to ask a little bit more because I was knowledgeable about the results that they were sharing with me. In this case, I was looking for somebody who had a lot of the same personality traits as me because I wanted to hand this over. When I am growing on the marketing side, these qualities that I have are certainly not what I want on that part of the business. Even my coaches, all of us have some overlap, but none of us have the exact same profile. Alrighty. As we wrap up this series on using various tests and assessments as you're growing your team, the affective ones we talked about today, as well as the conative, the Colby index, know that my preference is to use both. Being aware and informed of each of these can contribute to better team dynamics, better and greater productivity, your morale on your team and engagement, as well as just the functionality of your business. I have personally found that these have given me support when I needed answers, but I didn't have that elusive crystal ball inside of me. 
With each episode of the Ops Authority podcast, we always make sure that you're able to take this information and do something with it. We love action around here. So we're going to ask you to do an ops activity, just like we do with every single episode. Since we learned all about affective test in today's episode, I'd like for you to share the retake hear me out, the retake, I'm going to ask you to go to 16personalities.com. Take that quick assessment, which is going to give you a four-letter result. Come on over to our private Facebook group, which you can find at theopsinsiders.com. We'll welcome you inside of our group, and we would like to know what your result is, and is it different than the previous one that you have taken, and what did you learn about yourself? I think that there's so much self-exploration that can go into this. This can not only help you in growing your team, but being aware of who you are and the results that you have are so, so helpful in navigating your own personal growth and development. Alrighty, friends, before we go, I want to make sure you know, just like I did at the top of this episode, I'd love for you to join us in the upcoming Discover the DOO info session. We're going to be talking all about our certification program, how it's unique, who it's for, what you do as a director of operations, if you're ready, and all of the steps on top of what is included inside of our exclusive and signature program. Make sure to sign up for October the 19th. Come on over to theopsauthority.com forward slash discover. Make sure you sign up so that you will get all of our information before we kick off. All right, friends, I hope that this has been helpful for you. Make sure to retake your Myers-Briggs or 16 personalities, post it inside of our Ops Insiders group. I look forward to learning a lot about you ladies and I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.